You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, I want to cover some of the Green Bay Packers news and notes that came out. But before we get there, since we just got done covering the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears, making a little quick update on the Minnesota Vikings roster because it just broke yesterday that right guard Holopolovati Vaitai was placed on IR. And so rather than me explaining this to you, why don't I let Mr. Uh, Micro Mike explain the situation to you? I have no idea what the injury is, so I couldn't tell you. It just came upon my news deck while I was watching, watching Rocky Balboa. I seen it. I said, kids, hit the pause button. I want to finish this movie, but I got some bad news. I have to freaking make a video about Big V getting placed on RR. IR. Ain't that just the son of a B? Doesn't that just suck freaking b- God dang, man. Let me know in the comment section right now. Does it suck b- Why does it not suck b- N? Let me know in the comment section why or N does it suck. Big Y for me, folks. Thank you, Mike, for that commentary on... Mr. Big V, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was planning on coming on here and being like, dang, that stinks, but he's probably the fifth best out of five offensive linemen. They'll be all right. But man, Vikings or uh, Lions fans is not having it, man. Not having it. Uh, looking at the Chicago Bears, this Arlington Heights thing looks like it's legitimately going to take off, which makes me happy for a few reasons. Number one, I uh, just looked at it yesterday. It looks like it's like 20 minutes from where my house used to be, which is cool. You know, obviously not a Bears fan or anything, but everybody that I grew up with for the most part was. And I don't really know anybody that really went to Bears games. Going into Chicago is quite an ordeal and um, just takes a long time and it's not a great location and people just don't generally want to be there. But um Man, if it was if it was spitting distance to uh, to the suburbs, and obviously it's going to create a lot of congestion in that area as well. But still, I I would have like I mean I still even now I'm thinking about it, like dude I'll go to Arlington Heights, but they've got the plans all drawn up. The stadium um, don't really get a a good view of what the state. First of all, I just like new stadiums. I, I think the newer stadiums that are coming out look amazing. Uh, the one out in Los Angeles, the Raiders Stadium, even the Viking Stadium. Um, all these new stadiums getting built look amazing, and um, I think it'd be good for the state of Illinois, bad more or less for Chicago, which in my opinion is a win because that is a garbage city that needs to learn that actions have consequences, and when you continue to run things into the ground, bad things happen. So obviously they've been in a brutal fight with uh, the mayor of Chicago. The mayor's been very arrogant about it in terms of you're not going anywhere, and Chicago Bears are like, yep, yeah, well, we're leaving. So good for them. And again, it's going to be great for for the suburbs, you know, especially, you know, Arlington Heights, but even the surrounding areas, the the developments, the buildups that are going to be out there and the businesses that are going to be put there and the 
hotels and the restaurants and all that. I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing. Uh, they made it clear that there are several steps that need to be done. Um, apparently, they they are under contract to purchase that property, which obviously is a big step. I mean, it's it's well beyond a bluff when you've uh, signed on the dotted line. Um, but there are still conditions that need to be met before they actually will go through with the per- purchase. And at that point, they said there's no guarantee that they will develop it at that point. Obviously, again, you're not going to buy it without um, intention of doing that. But there, again, several steps, 326 acres in Arlington Heights. And obviously, Chicago being a major city, I mean, this is a big deal for tourism at large. You know, I mean, not just NFL stuff like the NFL draft and whatnot. Um, Super Bowl, college football, playoffs, Final Four. They want to create an all-purpose global arena type of thing. But anyways, why don't we get started with um, some of the stuff that happened, uh, I guess it would be two days ago now. Um, Matt LaFleur did a press conference, and a lot of stuff came out of that and some other things. And um, either I'm missing a lot of information or people are reading too much into stuff, but... We'll get there when we get there. I want to go through each of the things that he had mentioned, uh, in particular about the injury status of some of the players on the Green Bay Packers, and just kind of give my initial thoughts. I already did this on Packernet After Dark, but I'm going to play the audio so you can hear what I'm talking about as I talk about it. Um, But uh, let's start from the beginning. But first question, are Dave and Elton doing team period stuff? Um, We'll see when we get out there, but the hope is that... um, David will be out there. All right, so that's it. That's all we got. Now, I'll add in that there were comments from David Bakhtiari. And if you look around, I mean, just type in David Bakhtiari, and there's a whole lot here. Green Bay Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari says he's on track to start in the opener. Um, Bakhtiari believes he's on track to start this Sunday. Bakhtiari could make a return week one. So what is this all based on? Right, because all we heard from Matt Lafleur when asked about the two tackles is um, Bakhtiari should be practicing, which sounds to me like Bakhtiari might practice. Elton Jenkins is not going to practice. He didn't say that, but that's sort of what I got out of it. So, what else could there possibly be out there? Well, we go to find out Bakhtiari did participate in eleven on eleven drills, and there's this: Bakhtiari on Monday participated in eleven on eleven drills something he said he's been doing for several practices since training camp ended. After Monday's practice, he told ESPN he believes it's realistic to expect him to start against the Vikings. But here's the quote. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the active roster just like anyone else. That's the whole quote. You going to start on uh, Sunday? I mean, I'm on the active roster like everybody else. Okay. Are you going to start or sit on the active roster? The fact of the matter is Alan Lazard is is on the active roster. We don't know if he's going to, but we don't know if, if uh, we don't know who's playing and who's not. Active roster doesn't mean anything. Are you going to be ready to play? I'm, I'm not saying that we can't lean yes, but everyone's acting like him saying I'm on the active roster like everyone else somehow means definitely playing on Sunday. And as far as I can tell, that's it. Not a single thing else was said. Lafleur said he'll probably practice today. Bakhtiari says, I'm on the active roster right now. Boom, he says he might be ready week one. What did I miss? What, what thing did I miss? Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I think he's not starting. I'll, all I'm saying is I don't feel like we got any information about David Bakhtiari's status for week one yet. 
And as I said on yesterday's Packernet After Dark, we shouldn't expect to. Um, the Packers are going to try to play this as close to the vest as humanly possible with Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, all these guys. So I don't know, man. I'm hoping he plays. Um, it's great that he's practicing, so I don't really have a lot of reason to assume that he won't play. But I have no more information based on comments about David Bakhtiari than I did on Sunday when I didn't know. But beyond that, he was asked, again, this is this is the part where we're not going to get any information, but he was asked directly right after that, are you expecting them to start, them being the tackles, on Sunday? Here's what he said. We'll have to find out on Sunday. There you go. That's it. That's what we're going to have to find out. Now, again, we're going to keep going through this because there's a couple times when he says things that are like, oh, well, it sounds maybe a little bit more like this, that, or the other. But all we're doing is trying to read tea leaves, and I'm just saying, I I, I got nothing. So he's he has an idea who's starting and who's not. But he's just giving a stone-cold poker face and just trying to keep that to himself. Um, asking about Alan Lazard and how he, he's doing, here's what Matt LaFleur had to say. Uh, I think Alan's doing better, but I... Um... You know, we'll see as the week progresses where he's at. So, again, just me hearing that sounds more negative. Um, and, yeah, there's always the gamesmanship, and maybe you're trying to make it sound negative when it's positive, whatever. But the way he phrased it saying, you know, he's doing better, but we'll see. To me, it sounds like, yeah, he's making some progress, but he's, he's kind of a ways away. Now, on the flip side of that is Christian Watson. And, and, and again, I mentioned this yesterday, but the funny part is the question was sort of a two-parter. They asked about his development and they asked about his health. And just listen to how he, uh, Matt LaFleur answers the question. Yeah, he's, well, it's certainly you guys can see the, the physical skills, the, the speed and power that he possesses. Um, I think he's still got a lot to learn. And, you know, we're, we're trying to acclimate him as fast as humanly possible um but you know we'll get in more into the game plan specifics for him we'll have a plan for him and um we'll you know we'll kind of see where it goes so do you expect him to play Sunday? christian uh that that's the hope but again we'll see where he's at let him finish um so the, the, this is where I thought it was kind of funny because in, and it doesn't have to mean that again we're reading tea leaves or whatever but the way he answered this question is he didn't really address the injury concerns or anything like that. He talked about his development, said he's, you know, he's got a lot to learn yet, um, but we'll start working on getting a game plan for him moving forward. And so the questioner said, oh, so he's playing this Sunday then? And that's when he, his eyes got real big and he said, uh, Christian? <laughs> like he needed a minute to kind of gather himself. Of course, Christian Watson, are you serious? But he just kind of paused and froze and said, uh, Christian, uh, we'll see. That's that's the hope. We're, we're hoping he gets out there, but we don't know. Now, it's entirely possible that he's saying, you know, we'll, we'll work on getting him a game plan once he's back to being healthy and all. But he's not healthy yet, so we're not going to try to develop a game plan for him. But I don't think that's what happened. I think he started, again, you kind of just forget what other people don't know. You just start talking and you just start answering a question and you start talking about his development and where he's at and all these things. And then you kind of just naturally segue into developing a game plan for him. You know, we're working on figuring out a way to get him involved in the game plan. And then you kind of get caught on it like, oh, game plan. 
So he's a part of the game plan, as in he's playing. Well, I mean, maybe, you know, if he if he's healthy, then we'll put him on the game plan. Otherwise, it'll be like next week or whatever. I think Christian, let me put it this way. I think Christian plays. I'm, has, I'm skeptical Alan Lazard plays. That's what I think. Be interesting to see what happens when the, um, throughout the week with the injury reports. But we're just going to have to wait for those. Um, in other news, the Packers released their um, unofficial week one depth chart, and I thought it was worth going over. Um, most of it is not super surprising. Couple little notes, though. Wide receiver is exactly as we thought. It's Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Randall Cobb. Second string, backing up Lazard, Romeo Dobbs. The backup Sammy Watkins is Christian Watson. Backup Randall Cobb is Amari Rogers, and Samori Ture is the third string slot guy. Tight end, they actually have Mercedes Lewis first. Don't know how much that actually matters, but I did find it slightly interesting. I don't know, maybe they did that last year too. Um, then Tunyon, then DeGuara, then Tyler Davis. Uh, running back, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. So none of that really is all that surprising. Offensive line. David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Elton Jenkins. That also is not necessarily surprising. Again, this is not, hey, all of these guys are healthy and are, you know, this is who's going to play week one. This is the depth chart based on the 53-man roster. This is how they have the guys structured when they're healthy. It's not saying they're healthy and they're going to play week one. So we already know they're, they're not on IR, they're not on PUP or anything like that, so this is where they end up. So none of that is really surprising. The only potential question mark in there would have been, did Jake Hansen win the job over Royce Newman? They're saying, no, he did not. Good information. The other not surprising things, Yash would be the backup to Bakhtiari. Rashid Walker is actually the backup right tackle, or in this case, the second backup right, the backup, backup tackle, I guess. And Zach Tom is the backup left guard with Sean Ryan being right guard, Jake Hansen being center. Now, you could look at that and say, no, I think Zach Tom is actually the backup tackle. They're just putting him there to kind of make it look neat or something, you know? But they don't have to do that. Take a look at what they did with defensive tackle. Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt. Third string is Jonathan Ford. They could have easily just slid Jonathan Ford in there just because, why not? He's, he's second string. No, because where what we actually view them as matter. Jonathan Ford isn't a defensive end. He's a nose tackle. He's our third string nose tackle. So the backup Dean Lowry is Devontae Wyatt. The backup Jaron Reed is Devontae Wyatt. The backup Kenny Clark is TJ Slayton. So they very easily could have said um, David Bakhtiari, Yash Nyman, and then Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, and then Rashid being the third string tackle. Now, the, the only other thing here, and I'm not saying Rashid is ahead of Elton Jenkins uh, or, or ahead of Zach Tom, if it gets to that point necessarily. But what it does mean is that Zach Tom is next in line if John Runyon goes down. And I guess we don't know that. It could be Jake Hansen. But he's, he's on the guard backup list. He's not just a tackle that kind of we tried out at guard, but we didn't necessarily like it. I tend to think he's the number two backup guard and the number two backup tackle. He's potentially the number one backup guard if they really are kind of iffy about uh, left and right. That is to say, we know the backup right guard is Jake Hansen. What about John Runyon? Because Zach Tom did play left guard. Jake Hansen really didn't. He was a right guard. Maybe they don't care. Jake Hansen's the backup guard no matter what. Zach Tom's behind him. 
I'm not sure. But either way, again, that I found that to be somewhat interesting. They don't view him as just a tackle. He is the number two left guard right now. Allow me to interject in what I'm doing right now. My prediction that Lazard is not looking great um, just minutes later is spiraling down the drain. Uh, shout out to Sam Holman for sharing this with the group. And he definitely doesn't sound sure about it, but, you know, there's there's a quote in here that kind of, whatever, I'll play it, and then you can make up your own mind, I guess. The indication I got is that he's got a chance to play on Sunday, so even though he hasn't been there, I think he's, we'll see, but I think it's probably looking good. And, and their receiving core is, like, one of the really good, fun puzzles. Like, let's say, like, even for fantasy, like, who is going to break out? Like, could it be Lazard? Is it going to be Dubs? Like, it, there's a Dubs. lot of... Um, a lot of really good options there. Are you a fantasy guy? I am a fantasy guy. He- All right. Um, nobody cares. So, again, sometimes I, I just decided I'm not putting any stock in this because I remembered one of my rules with all these guys. Sometimes, especially with the insiders, they get brought on these shows and they want to go on the shows and they get asked questions that they don't know the answer to because. A lot of times the hosts of bigger shows that aren't insiders act like insiders know everything. In other words, if if somebody had a conversation, if somebody had a phone call, they know. And so we're going to try to get this information out of them. And they don't know. The initial answer he gave is he might go, he might play. And as he's sitting there and squirming, he's kind of realizing, I'm not saying anything. The big breaking news that he just said is maybe. Let me let me just play that again for you. The indication I got is that he's got a chance to play on Sunday. So even though he hasn't been there, I think he's we'll see, but I think it's probably looking good. And and they're receiving So again, even the way he said probably looking good, he he doesn't know what he's saying. I think it's probably looking good. It's it's like a question mark. So the bottom line is the word he got is that he has a chance to play. In other words, breaking news, it's not true that he's not going to play. There's a chance. But again, as as he's saying it, it's not very anything. So I I really I believe he just kind of added that last part in. It's looking good. And again, if you want to listen to it a third time, you can. He basically said it with a question mark at the end. So the big quote from Pat McAfee: "The indication I got is that it's looking good for Alan Lazard to play on Sunday." Uh again, I'm I'm still fifty fifty. It, it'll go either way, but. It, this sounds very similar to the David Bakhtiari situation. Maybe there's a little bit more here because technically he did say it's looking good, which puts it at like, what, 75% if he meant what he said. But I don't think he did. So in my mind, it's still sitting at 50. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't sound like he's feeling too certain. And even if he is certain, what is he certain of? He's certain that he might play. Guess what? So am I. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Um, I already kind of jumped ahead to the defensive tackles, but there you go with that. Again, makes perfect sense. Dean Kenny, Jaron Reed, TJ Slayton is your backup nose tackle. Devontae Wyatt is your second string defensive end. He's really the only backup defensive end, which is promising for Devontae Wyatt because any little ankle twist or finger poke or whatever to Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry, Devontae Wyatt's next man up. Again, I think we get kind of caught up in Number three, number four, number five. We know TJ Slayton is ahead of Devontae Wyatt, just generally speaking, on a team hierarchy. But Dean Lowry is backed up by Devontae Wyatt because what they want Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry to do, Devontae Wyatt is better at it than TJ Slayton is because they don't 
actually play the same position. They kind of do, but don't really. And Jonathan Ford is also a nose tackle. And interestingly enough, they took that third nose tackle um, over an additional defensive end. Um, Looking at pass rushers, Rashawn and Preston, obviously our number one. I did find it very interesting that um, second string, they have Jonathan Garvin and Kingsley Enigbare. Tipa Naliai is actually the third string. Now, I don't know if maybe this has to do with similar to what we've been talking about, different positions, um, where you've got Kingsley as sort of the Rashawn number two, and um, Tipa's just more of a Preston. I don't think so, but I don't know. I take that to be, um, well, I guess either way, when Preston and Rashawn take a breather, that's going to be Jonathan Garvin and Kingsley and Agbar, which is huge, because again, Tipa's a decent football player. Um, I mean, he's not a he's not a starter, but kind of kind of good news, I guess. Did not expect that at all. Inside linebacker, nothing interesting there. You got your starters, you got your second string. Corners, uh, they don't list slot corner, so it's um, Jair and Stokes with Razul and Keyshawn Nixon next. After that is Shamar Jean Charles, but I think we kind of know how that is. Um, yeah, we don't we don't need to get too much in the weeds on that. Safety, Amos and Savage. Uh, the interesting thing here is that Rudy Ford is actually ahead of Tariq Carpenter. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess that doesn't actually surprise me because if we're talking about who's going to step in as a safety, I think Tariq would be last on that list. I think all three of these guys are there primarily to be special teamers. But Tariq is probably last in line to be a real live safety. Um, Mason and Pat O'Donnell obviously are where they are. Jack Coco's where they are. Amari is the punt and kick returner right now. It gets interesting when you look at the backups. Keyshawn Nixon is our backup kick returner. Randall Cobb is our backup punt returner. Romeo Dobbs is our third string punt returner. So there you go. Uh, I also noticed somebody just, where did it go? (laughs) Dang it. There it is. Same thing, but it's got an additional box on the bottom. Coach locations at Lambeau Field. So up in the coach's box, you got Ryan Downard, our safeties coach. Uh, Ryan Mahaffey, the assistant offensive line coach. Wendell Davis, defensive quality control. John Donovan, senior analyst. Ramsey, a bunch of lower level guys. On the sideline, you're going to have Joe Barry, Rich Passaccia, Adam Stenovich, um, pretty much everybody else. All the main coaches going to be on the sideline. The only, I guess, quote-unquote main coach would be Ryan Downer, the safeties coach. Everybody else is sort of assistants and analysts and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, it's a hair early, but why don't we take a break here. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is the place in which you can do such things. You can do so for as little as $1 per month. If you'd like to support the Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find the links to that pinned to the top of my Twitter as well as pinned to the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. And of course, do not forget about Pristine Auction. Please head over to pristineauction.com. They are back with the Packernet Podcast for another giveaway. If you want a chance to win a signed Jordy Nelson football championship trophy, and again, last time we had we had to do a lot of begging, and we even got an, a, like an extension of another week of just trying to get more people to sign up. It was maybe like 20 or 30. So um, again, your odds are quite good. Pristineauction.com. Click on the register button, use promo code FARV, F-A-V-R-E, and that's it. You're done. You are entered to win a signed Super Bowl trophy. It's obviously a replica, but it is signed by Jordy Nelson, and it's got a cool Jordy Nelson uh, uh, graphic on it. And as a bonus, 
when you are registered with that promo code, you're going to get $10 off the first item that you win. Everything that you, get you, that you get from there comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most respected authenticators. Again, that's pristineauction.com. Click on register. Use promo code FAR. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I'm, I'm kind of jumping the gun on a little bit of this, um, but I'm kind of excited and I, I want to do it. So we're going to do it. I want to look at some Vegas lines for some of these games. Uh, we'll start with the Packers because obviously that matters the most, but I want to look at a few other games that matter to the Packers as well. Because it's just kind of a good baseline to see where things are at. Sometimes I get a little surprised, like, oh, dang, that's it, or that's a lot, or you know, whatever the case may be. But the Packers right now, unanimously, I'm looking at, um, uh, this is VegasInsider.com, so they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've got an infinite number of different betting lines that you can use. Some of these are, are vastly different, or you know, at least vary somewhat. There's really no variability here. Uh, 1.5 point favorites are the Green Bay Packers. I think that makes sense. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that line moves. If you're planning on betting on the um, Packers, I would almost wait because I wouldn't be surprised if that kickoff the Vikings are favorites. There's just been a lot. You know what? Let me see if I can see the trends here real quick. PFF has that, I believe. Yeah, so it's it's basically as I expected it to be. Um, it was the Packers were two-point favorites-ish. Well, it depends what we're looking at. So the market was at 2.7, and at one point, it was over, it was over three. The, um, see, I'm looking at PFF again. The market as of, what date is that? The 29th was at 2.5 point favorites were the Packers. Now it's down to 1.5. PFF also moved theirs from 3.1 down to uh, 2.3. So PFF is more in favor of the Packers than the general market. But the point is, the line has moved less and less in favor of the Packers. And I don't think that's necessarily going to change. 
And I don't think that had really anything to do with injuries, although maybe, maybe it had to do with Alan Lazard. I don't know, but they're just picking up momentum. And it's obviously fake momentum. Um, it's not to say they're wrong. It's just to say nothing's changed. You know, it's kind of like during the draft when all of a sudden people are rising up the boards. They're not rising up teams' boards. They're just li- rising up the media's board. And so, um, again, I, I expect that to continue. And I got to be honest, I don't remember exactly who it was. Somebody on Twitter. Um, anyways, their, their take was what they think is going to happen. The Vikings are going to win this game at home in Minnesota. Should not be a surprise. There's going to be all kinds of hype about how great the Vikings are, how garbage the Packers are. They've got no weapons. And then the Packers, of course, correct, and they'll end up winning a bunch of games and going to the playoffs. The Vikings will miss the playoffs, and it'll all be forgotten. But that's what we need to brace ourselves for. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you got to understand, man, we got to get back into regular season football mode and remember how this goes. I think we've spent so much time in the offseason in the theoretical. You know what's going to happen this week and every week from here on out? the better team is going to lose. There's going to be some shocking things where the third best team loses to the fourth worst team. Stuff like that happens. And so I don't know when you're talking Packers-Vikings, week one, divisional game, whatever it is on paper, despite the fact that we don't actually know what it is on paper, because you know we're, we're pretending to know what these players are, but we don't know what these players are. The... <laughs> The amount of information we actually have is so small about these two teams, just generally, as far as what they're going to be. But then also what we're going to get from these people in week one. Even if we knew 100% that our wildest dreams were coming true, and the offense was not going to be hampered by the loss of Devontae Adams, it was going to be running just smooth, just fine, top 10 offense, and the defense was going to be just this elite defense, guess what? I still can't tell you that we're going to beat the Vikings. I think on paper, we should be the favorites even in Minnesota. But so what? That's all I can tell you. So we just need to re-remember that because there's going to be a whole lot of overreaction. Now, bad play is bad play and good play is good play. And you can kind of a little bit glean from information that we kind of should know. And the, the only reason I bring that up is if the Packers and Bears both get blown out, You don't know 100% anything from that, but you can kind of look at it and say, you know, I kind of think the Packers are going to bounce back. The Bears, though, that might just be who they are. And then maybe that's just a biased Packer fan talking. But I would say the same thing about if the Packers blow out the Vikings, I'm not counting out the Vikings. The Bears, though, I might, depending on the situation, because it's all about confirming what it looks like is going to happen. You know, if it's real dark clouds outside, and you say it looks like it's going to rain in about five minutes, and it doesn't rain, doesn't mean it's not going to rain the rest of the day. It might still rain pretty soon. If you're looking at storm clouds, and you're saying, I think it's going to rain, and it rains, I think we solved the riddle. (laughs) If we say, I think the Bears offensive line is not going to be able to block for Justin Fields, and they get thrown all over the place, and Fields is on his back 17 times, it might have been a fluke. Maybe the 49ers are just that good, but I'm content saying that's just what it is. But anyways, that's, that's where we're at. The Packers are fair. And that, and that is kind of a big deal because it's in Minnesota and it's week one. Um, if they were even, and, and this is what I love about it because everybody's real big on picking the Vikings. Vikings are going to be better. Vikings. I always love Vegas because people, guys like Andrew Brandt don't lose anything if he just spouts off at the mouth and says Vikings are going to be great. 
they love sound bites. Half these guys, they they love saying stupid stuff just because it's stupid and because it gets a lot of interaction. I'm not saying it's stupid. Stupid would be picking the Bears to win the division. I'm just saying it doesn't cost anything. But when you're putting real money on the line, when when the decisions you make on the lines you set make the difference of millions and millions of dollars, you're going to get it right. I don't mean you're actually going to be correct, but I'm saying your goal is to be correct, is to be accurate, to get the best possible information you can and try to go from there. And so I tend to believe the best possible information says even week one, even against the Minnesota Vikings, despite all the hype, the Packers should win the game. And I'm content with that being the case, even if it's a slim margin. And yeah, if it flips, it flips. Then I guess that's what it is. But the point is, it's going to be a close game. And I don't know that there's too many honest Packers or Vikings fans that would really disagree with that assessment. Not saying you can't say, I I just have a hunch we're going to blow them out. Okay, that's fine. But you acknowledge that these are pretty pretty neck-and-neck franchises. Anyways, beyond that, um, I want to look at the... Well, we'll just go in order. Thursday's game. Contemplating doing a live stream. Not going to do that every single game, every single week. If it's a stupid game, I don't care about. But this game matters because you've got what most people say is the best team in all of football, the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if I agree or not, but it doesn't really matter. Haven't really put in the work to make that determination, and I don't care to. But then you've also got the LA Rams. It matters to me how good the Buffalo Bills are. It matters to me how good the Rams are. And so I want to watch this. And I'll tell you what, if the if the Rams start 0-1, that's a good thing. If the Rams beat the Bills, it's kind of a I'll shoot the Rams, but also ha-ha Bills. It's all about the Packers being the best. That's it. And yeah, being the best in the NFC North is the most important. Being the best in the NFC would be the second most important. Being the best in the NFL would be the third most important. Well, actually, that's sort of backwards depending on how, you, how you're thinking about it. But in terms of how much we should care about other teams sucking, it kind of works that way. But anyways, a little bit surprised Buffalo is only a one-point favorite. Now, they are on the road, and they do have to travel all the way across the country, and the Rams are the Super Bowl champion, um, you know, defenders or whatever. But if it's just me, and I I guess I shouldn't say it's not just one point. That's, That's what one place says. Others have it at two. Some have it at two and a half. That certainly makes more sense to me. In fact, I don't mind looking at this because I'm looking at it going, dude, at one point, I will bet the bills. Even two and a half seems like I would probably take. I'm I'm not much of a betting type person, but I'm getting tempted. Anyways, uh, week one and Thursday night's always a little wonky, so it's it's tough to say. But I think Packer fans should be rooting Ram, uh, Bills, and it looks like they are the favorites. And I I honestly think, as I've said, the, the the Rams won the Super Bowl, and that's great. Congrats to them. They were not the best NFC team. They were not the second best. I don't think they were the third best NFC team. I think Tampa Bay, Green Bay. Uh, the 49ers, maybe even Dallas, were all better teams than the Rams, in my opinion. But the Rams got hot at the right time. But I, don't, I just don't think they can compete with Buffalo. Not to say they can't beat them any given Sunday and all, but that one surprises me a bit. Um, Saints-Falcons doesn't super matter, other than to see how ugly this is going to get. But Saints, it seems the most bet line, or the, the most popular line, five and a half point favorites. I am interested to see what Jameis does, but otherwise, whatever. Either way, they're both NFC teams. I would like to see the, the Saints fall off, just because I think at the end of the day, they're going to be the best team, but uh, whatever. Then we get to the Chicago Bears, and the thing I love about this is, you know, again, Bears fans love running their mouth, right? They love talking about how 
you know, we're going to beat the 49ers and all this stuff. I just saw somebody, I don't know if he's a Bears guy or what, I just, five minutes ago, because I constantly ADD on Twitter, just saw a guy saying he thinks the Bears are going to shock people. He's going to, his score prediction, I think, was 31-17 Bears. This is how insane things have gotten because of their stupid preseason games. It's insane. To, I'm so happy. I wish there was a fourth and a fifth preseason game because they're getting their hopes up so high. The 49ers are seven-point favorites. Seven points. What do you think the line would be if the Packers were playing the 49ers or the Vikings for that matter? By the way, it's Chicago at home, and the 49ers are still seven-point favorites. And that's with Trey Lance, who I can't imagine is helping this line at all. I would be willing to bet if Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback, it moves in the 49ers' favor even more. It's so clear that they're just not on our level. And by our level, I mean all of the competent teams, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Packers, all this talk all offseason about how they got a better offensive line than us, better wide receivers than us. They're better than everybody thinks they are. They got a better offense. All these things, the defense is better than ours. And just to talking and the talking and the insanity. And again, it's not just one or two. It's the whole freaking group. It's crazy. And as I'm looking through this, I don't really see anybody with bigger than a seven-point line. And so the other comparable games, just to show you how much of a mismatch this is between the 49ers and the Bears, other seven-point dogs, the Jets against the Ravens and the Colts and the Texans. So they're on par with the Jets and the Texans. You can say, well, the 49ers are better than the Colts and the Ravens. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Not by much if they are. Um, don't really care about the AFC games all that much. Um, it is worth noting that the Bengals are six and a half point favorites over the Steelers, which kind of makes me happy because there's just because it feels like the, the Bengals, first of all, don't get enough credit, shockingly which I guess kind of makes sense because people view the Bengals the way that I view the, the the Rams in terms of kind of being frauds in the Super Bowl, but that's a scary football team. But also people overestimate the Steelers. And I, for the life of me, cannot necessarily figure out why other than TJ Watt's a freak and they've got some key pieces on defense. But I mean, Mitch Trubisky just won that job. I, I don't really believe in their quote-unquote weapons. Their offensive line is a disaster. I, I just think that team's going to suck, to be completely honest. So we'll see how that goes, but I fully expect the Bengals to curb stomp the Steelers. Um, Eagles-Lions, somewhat surprised. I mean, the Lions are at home, but um, again, <laughs> it's got to just infuriate Bears fans because, you know, again, you can say the Eagles aren't on the 49ers level if you want, fine, but only four-point favorites over the Detroit Lions. I do expect the Eagles to win. I, I, I think it's a good football team. I'm, I'm interested in watching that game if I can. I'm assuming I'm going to get the Bears game. I don't know, but it just makes me smile. There's more confidence that the Lions are going to beat the Eagles than that the Bears are going to beat the 49ers, and by a pretty wide margin. There's a three-point difference, which is not a small difference. Dolphins-Patriots, again, AFC, so it doesn't super matter, but it is interesting. Miami is already ahead of the Patriots. That also makes me happy. I'm still bitter about the Patriots. Also, kind of buying into the Dolphins a little bit. Not saying Super Bowl contenders necessarily. I just think that they're underrated. Jacksonville, Washington, don't care. Carolina and the Browns, I don't really care just because I think Carolina is kind of a joke. Although, heck of a storyline there with Baker um, up against Cleveland. Baker ends up kind of being sort of the anti-villain in that uh, in that saga. Colts, Texans, nobody cares. Um, Giants, Tennessee, doesn't matter. I mean, you do have an NFC team there, but it doesn't matter. Chiefs-Cardinals is similar to the 
game that we've got this Thursday between the Bills and the uh, Rams. You've got an NFC contender in the Cardinals, and you've got an AFC powerhouse in the Chiefs. I'm completely stunned to see the Chiefs are six-point favorites with the Cardinals being at home. I know the Cardinals struggle. I'm not a, I've never been a big believer in the Cardinals. That, that's a team that's always been, just watch out, they're coming, and I'm like, I don't see it. I'll tell you what, though, man, Kyler kind of figured it out a little bit last year, and it was hard to see because he didn't always consistently put it together, but as a thrower, especially if you look at the beginning of the year, what did they go, like 7-0 and to start the season? He was really looking like a clutch thrower. I know they've got a lot of issues on that team, but I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're just completely being countered out at home. Um, obviously, it's, it's to our benefit overall to root for the Chiefs because you want NFC team to fail, but I wouldn't be mad if the Chiefs start the season 0-1. So either way, that's kind of a win-win game in my opinion. Raiders-Chargers only matters because Devontae's there. Not going to lie, there's a little bitter part of me that wants the Chargers to win. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites, um, some three, some four-point favorites, only because I just don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear about, look how good Devontae is, and the Packers, were, they can't do it. No offense to Devontae, but you're a Raider now. I can't root for you. I'm sorry. If there's anything good that happens to you that is a detriment to our team and our fan base and our GM and all that, I just can't be in favor of it. And your success makes our team look stupid. So I don't want you to have very much. You know, enough, but, you know, not, not much. <laughs> so, I mean, he's in an extremely tough division, obviously, and the Chargers are one of the, t- the tougher teams that they're going to be seeing regularly. And, um, yeah, go Chargers, I guess. First time in my life I think I've ever said that. Buccaneers-Cowboys is just the hate bowl. Can't stand either of these teams. Glad one of them starting uh, 0-1. I, I know it's blasphemy, but I will be rooting for the Dallas Cowboys in this game. I don't hate the Cowboys nearly as much as most Packer fans do. They don't bother me as much. I cannot stand Tampa because of what they've done to us. We also play Tampa pretty shortly after, so I would like them to lose. Also, I can't stand Tom Brady. Not as a person. Actually, as a person, he seems like a cool dude. As a football player, yes, I can parse that out in my mind. Cannot stand him. So um, I don't really have any qualms about rooting for Dallas in that game. Now, I don't want to see Dallas look super lethal. I'm worried about, you know, I mean, if Trayvon Diggs gets picks, I'm going to be annoyed because it's like, oh, here we go. But I'll take whatever it, whatever it takes to get Tampa Bay to 0-1. I will happily accept it. Um, and then finally, Monday night, Denver and Seattle. I cannot wait for this game. Denver is six and a half point favorites, which makes me so happy. I can't stand Seattle. I don't dislike them quite as much as the 49ers, but I really don't like And it's for two separate reasons. Number one is all the, the pain they've put us through. That was kind of a long time ago. They haven't really been able to beat us in quite some time. However, the secondary reason they bother me is because their GM, who is horrific, has done such a terrible job of allowing one of the most talented rosters in the last 10 years to just completely fall apart. And nobody calls the guy on it. This has been probably the most catastrophic attempt at building or even maintaining a roster I've ever seen. And now they moved on from Seattle, and and Seattle fans have the audacity to prance around with their LOL, he's washed nonsense. Russell Wilson is going to be operating with, by far, the best offensive line he's ever had. Everything about Denver is better than Seattle. 
Seattle is one of the most pathetic. They might be worse than the Bears. They are so horrific from top to bottom with absolutely nothing. At least the Bears can look at Justin Fields and say, maybe. Seattle has nothing. Nothing. They got a couple wide receivers being thrown to by Geno freaking Smith. I cannot wait to watch Denver eviscerate Seattle. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Denver, don't like uh, Russell, Wilson, whatever. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't. I mean, again, I don't want to see Denver turn into a powerhouse, and I don't necessarily think they are. But they are infinitely better than Seattle, and it will make me so happy to watch their quarterback, their hero, destroy them. And yeah, part of that has to do with their fans, because their fans are... I'm not a fan of their fans. They are the most fair weather. I mean, there wasn't such a thing as a Seattle fan until the Legion of Boom. There was no such thing. Nobody ever heard of a Seahawks fan, ever. The Seahawks were perennial garbage, couldn't do anything, nobody cared. Suddenly they get good at football, and they're like the loudest, most proud 12th man. Oh, we're so loud, we're so proud. Like, dude, you know what? Loudest stadium, like the best fans and all that. I just, I can't stand it. And so I want this to be the nail in the coffin for all of them to just go away. And then the true few actual diehard Seahawks fans will remain. That's what I want. All those fair weather losers to go away and the actual Seahawks fans to, um, to be the last one standing. That, that's my hope. But I'm excited, man. Lots of really good games. Um, again, Thursday night, people hate Thursday night, especially the matchups. I think it's a fantastic matchup. Uh, we got Bears, we got Lions at the noon slot, Packers obviously in the afternoon, Sunday night, Tampa, Dallas, and then Monday, Denver Seahawks. I, I want to see all that. So pumped, 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 man. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.